Hey everyone, and welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to next year's Oscars. I'm Sophia Simonello. And I'm Nick Rohrkraut. And today we have a great episode planned for you. We are going to be celebrating Hamilton, now on Disney+. Plus. How many times have you watched it so far? I watched it twice, and honestly, I could just keep going. That's how I feel too. I enjoy it time and time again because... It's just so inventive. We'll get into everything. I'm Definitely. So we'll get into Hamilton. But before we do that, we lost a juggernaut of a composer. Ennio Morricone passed away at 91. Love him so much. My favorite movie of all time is Cinema Paradiso. So this was a, this was a tough one for me, for sure. He surprisingly only had six total nominations at the Oscars and then only one in 2016 for The Hateful Eight, which is wild. Wild. Oscar Wilde. (laughs) And he did win an honorary Oscar in 2007, but he's been on so many different soundtracks. I love his music. I was listening to a compilation on Spotify the other day because I had forgotten so many of his. I think he has some more iconic scores like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Hateful Eight, of course, Cinema Paradiso is my favorite, but I forgot so many, like Days of Heaven. I forgot that he did that Terrence Malick movie. So it was really good to be able to go back and listen. And I think what I love about his scores is that he really combines these iconic film themes that we have with something entirely new and inventive. He has a sound and a vision that is all his own. And I think Today, when we have so many themes that we've talked about before, I feel are used over and over again or feel very similar to what we've heard before, he was entirely original. So I highly recommend checking out his works. You will not be disappointed. And he did tons of Italian films, but then also doing a Tarantino film. And Kubrick. Yeah, can't forget Kubrick. (laughs) So we'll get right into Hamilton. Just to give a brief overview, this production in particular was recorded in June 2016 with the original cast, which includes Lin-Manuel Miranda, Leslie Odom Jr., David Diggs, Renee Elise Goldsberry, Philippa Sue, Jonathan Groff, Christopher Jackson. The book, Music and Lyrics, were written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, and it was based on the biography Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow. One of my favorite stories about this book, quickly, I was watching the PBS Hamilton special like years ago when that came out, and I remember Ron Chernow, they interviewed him, and he was talking about how Lin-Manuel, after he had read Alexander Hamilton, told him that hip-hop was jumping off the page, and Ron Chernow just said, what? Really? <laughs> because it is a very typical historical biography, but it is really good. Mm-hmm. I recommend it if you... Have some time this summer, of course, and in quarantine and want to check out a good one. And so Hamilton premiered in previews at the Public Theater in January 2015. This is when it was off-Broadway. And then it went to Broadway at the Richard Rogers Theater in August 2015. So then there was a Chicago production that opened in September of 2016, a West End edition in, in December 2017, which ended up winning seven Olivier Awards. And then the U.S. National Tour began in March of 2017. So this version was specifically for Disney+, and it was directed by Tony Kale, who also did Fosse Verdon, if you watch that TV show, and Grease Live with Vanessa Hudgens. 
and you can watch it with a Disney Plus subscription. Unfortunately, they won't let you watch with a free trial, so you do have to subscribe. But Disney Plus subscribers went up 74% over the weekend with the Hamilton release. So they definitely tapped into something good here. So now let's get into it. What did you think of Hamilton? First, did you see the show on Broadway? I saw it in Ohio. And I think that was two years ago. It was incredible. I loved it. I definitely wanted to go again because there is so much to unpack. And I hadn't really listened to the soundtrack. That's like something I do. I just don't like listening to the music before I see a show. So obviously I'd heard the main songs like the opener, my shot, but I really tried to stay away from it. So when I saw it, I was like, okay, I need to see this again. I hadn't seen it again until Friday. And then I watched it again, and now I want to watch it again. It's so fun. Did you see it? First, that is so wild to me that you just hadn't listened to the music because that, I think that soundtrack really got me through grad school. <laughs> I just would listen to it all the time. Like anytime I was on road trips, if I was working on papers, I would just put Hamilton on and would just fall right into it. I saw it in New York in 2018. It didn't have the original cast, of course, but the cast was amazing. And Mm -hmm. it was so much fun, I think, to be able to, at that time, you know, I'd listened to all this music and I had my idea of how it looked on stage, which was nothing like the way that it looked on stage, which ended up just being completely extraordinary. I loved seeing it, but I know that not everyone has that opportunity and we have a major accessibility problem with theater and seeing Hamilton is really dependent on being able to purchase a ticket, being able to travel to a city, often New York City to see it. And I think that this Disney Plus recorded version is really a great way to solve this problem. I was so excited hearing from My parents, who didn't see a stage production of it, just how excited they were to use my Disney Plus password to watch it. And they told me that some of the neighbor kids at home, they had had a screen up in the backyard and they were having this like socially distant Hamilton party. And I think it's just, it's so wonderful that kids and people who didn't get to see it in the theater get to now. It is wild that it's been out for so long and this was filmed so long ago and people are just getting to see it for the first time it's something that's been in pop culture for five plus years and i think what lynn did what the whole cast and crew did is phenomenal and every single part of the show is a showstopper the screenplay is obviously just out of this world every single song the set direction the blocking of the actors the acting itself, every single thing is an A+, and that's what makes this maybe the best musical of all time. It really is incredible. I think I'm still partial to other shows. I actually like the music from In the Heights more than Hamilton, which might be controversial to say. I'm not sure. But I thought it was just a really impressive production when I saw it. But of course, seeing it, my seats were so far away, which it was still totally magical. But seeing it on my TV, you know, feet away from it and seeing those Lazy Susan stages, that's probably not even the correct term, but that's what I'm going to call them during Satisfied and all the other songs where they use those circular stages. That was just amazing how they thought all of that up. So it really worked for me and I'm glad we got to watch it. So I, I think as a show, it's incredible. I know this premiered as a film and it was going to be in theaters, but 
I think of it less as a movie than a recorded stage production. I just always have a problem. Like I know the fan of the opera one a few years ago and Les Mis. It's just like the set is limited and it's the cameras moving around them. So I think it was recorded so well and it was cool that we got those close-ups that were filmed separately than that one production in June of 2016. But I think overall, it's still, I know we'll kind of get into the Oscars of it all, but it's still just like a stage thing for me. Yeah, I'm going to preface what I'm saying because I agree with you with this doesn't make it, I think, any less of what it is to me. I'm not saying that it's not as good as a film, but I definitely don't think of it as one. I think of it as a recorded stage production. And the main reason why was I found myself when I was watching it thinking, I wonder what a Hamilton movie would look like. Yeah. You know, in your more traditional movie musicals, you don't have very limited sets. It is more about the shots and it isn't, you aren't limited to that one stage. So I think Hamilton definitely could be that. This just wasn't that for me. It wasn't the singing in the rain or West Side Story or La La Land. It was a recorded stage production that I really enjoyed. Right. I think the choreography is so impressive here, too, that it's hard to imagine it in a different set. I agree with you. That's really true. It feels so well designed for the stage that a film version, I feel, would be completely different. And I don't know if it's worth it to have something that different. I don't know what it would look like. But we do have the In the Heights movie coming. We don't know when, but it is coming. And I'm excited to see what they do with that and I really really would not be surprised if this becomes more of your traditional movie musical years down the line I mean why wouldn't they yeah I think it will be totally different and kind of another installment to like the Alexander Hamilton universe of just like recreating his life in like a biopic sort of way it's interesting yeah I don't I don't really want that anytime soon though I think we're years away and that is fine with me I will be watching this one for a while and what I also love about that is you mentioned that there are people who are discovering Hamilton for the first time I really loved rediscovering this it had been years since I'd listened to the soundtrack and since I'd seen it on stage and it had kind of fallen out of my life even though it felt like a big part of it at the time so getting to see the original cast actually perform it even if it was while I was sitting on my couch on Friday, I am so grateful that I got to rediscover it and have that opportunity. And it was fun seeing the original cast because you heard about everything happening, you know, in New York City on Broadway, Lin-Manuel, his last performance, tickets going for like $10,000. And you got to see everybody, even Anthony Ramos, who is in In the Heights and was on the Oscars. And I saw him in this little cafe in New York City. This is bad, but I always think of him now as being in A Star is Born. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I associated with. That too, yeah. After you saw the show, did you go back and listen to the soundtrack with the original cast a lot so you could kind of get a feel for how they were performing it? Oh, totally. That was like on repeat, nonstop 
for at least weeks because my my favorite song kept changing. The first three are so good. So it's fun to bop around. How did your idea of the original show from just listening to the soundtrack, how did that translate to your viewing experience of this recording? Were you surprised by anybody? Did the people stand out to you that you thought would stand out to you? I guess I never in my head recreated the voices as the faces like you do when you're reading a book. I think having a visual for Angelica made her even more impressive. I mean, everyone is great on the soundtrack, but I think seeing them, she was beyond the best actress in the show. I totally agree. Renee Elise Goldsberry, when she comes out for the first time, just right at the beginning and then later again when they go into the Skylar sisters she was just everything that I wanted her to be and more (laughs) it was loving her songs those are my favorite satisfied too I was just so excited and I thought her performance was just as incredible as I had heard from people who had seen her in it and I was really happy about that this is a hot take but I And obviously, Lynn is like the genius behind everything. But when she came out and started singing, she put him to shame. Mm -hmm. So I really loved her. I also was so surprised by Chris Jackson, who plays Washington. He was so good. And in One Last Time, that whole end run, I feel like I have no idea what I'm talking about because I've never talked about musical theater on... (laughs) this podcast so if you're a theater fan please just bear with me in my vocabulary (laughs) if you're into theater you should check out our friends Connor and Dylan have a podcast called drama and they do deep dives into theater they interview really great guests but at the very end of that song it is just so moving and then he cries at the end I got a similar feeling to when I saw Adam Driver sing being alive in marriage story (laughs) (laughs) Which I know he's better than Adam Driver in a singing role, but anyone who knows me knows that that's high praise. I also loved David Diggs. He, I would say, was one of my other favorites. There's just so much comedy there, too, that I didn't really get from the recording. Mm-hmm. And seeing him, and he can like just move so fluidly across the stage and has so much fun. I really liked him a lot. Anytime he was on stage, I found myself, my eyes just gravitating towards him whatever he was doing I was following him the whole time he is such a charismatic stage presence and I remember too when I was watching did you ever see blind spotting that movie a couple years ago yeah yep it made me think of that too so if you want to see him in a film definitely check that one out too what scene from the movie in particular was your favorite I guess more so than a favorite song I would say Even though it is my favorite song, it was still my favorite part in the movie. So this is cheating maybe a little bit. But I really love the run from Helpless to Satisfied. I love the transitions here. I think that when you're listening to the soundtrack, the transitions seem really smooth. But seeing how all of it came together in this version, it was even more beautiful and even more heartbreaking to see the relationship between Eliza and Angelica, how they feel about Hamilton, And I also found myself getting so annoyed with him as a character and just how he deals with these women and what his relationships with them are like than I do when I listen to the soundtrack. And 
that was interesting to experience seeing it on screen because I think that took some of Lynn's charm away from me. I was just kind of thinking, oh, I love these sisters. I, I love their relationship and how complex it is. And I loved seeing how that came into play. And I was really surprised by that. I also thought that the ending was really great on film as well. What about you? I love that in the movie, you can really tell how they use the lyrics over and over again to emphasize different things and have different meanings, which I think is so cool, especially My Shot, which is the second song Hamilton uses multiple times throughout. I'm not throwing away my shot in in the very end. He literally throws away his shot. Um, So things like that. And then King George's multiple appearances. Obviously, Jonathan Groff is a great actor and he's a very famous stage actor. I loved his entrance because they shot upstage King George coming in and that was just a really amazing shot to have. And then during the Reynolds pamphlet, when it comes out that Hamilton had cheated on Eliza, everyone's throwing papers around on the stage and they're moving in the circle. And you see King George come through and just like throwing papers along with everybody. And there's no way he's there, but he is just he has the most fun in the show. I loved that, too. And I also loved Leslie Odom Jr.'s performance as Aaron Burr. And I thought that his songs were really interesting seeing them up close his close-ups during wait for it and then the room where it happens and appreciating how his voice was able to sound like that with all that choreography and seeing him running around on stage it made me realize what a great foil he was for Hamilton and he's not a villain per se like I wouldn't call him that but it is a great villain song the room where it happens I just I love it it's his voice is just so amazing in it I mean, he does start the show as the villain. He's the fool who shot him. But then it's fun because we get to go back and learn why and how their relationship changed over the years. And then in the end, it's so heartbreaking to see everything happen the way it does. I think I found myself way more emotional than when I saw it in person. And maybe it was because I had watched it twice in like, you know, a couple days. But I fully cried multiple times. It was during John Lawrence's death when Eliza reads Hamilton the letter from John's father. That was heartbreaking because you could see Hamilton looking at John on stage. And then it's Quiet Uptown, which has always been one of my favorites. It just strikes such a chord and it's right after their son's death. And it was interesting because Eliza doesn't really speak during the whole thing. She's just standing there crying and Hamilton's feeling so guilty about everything. So that was really powerful. So we mentioned that Disney Plus subscribers went up 74%. A lot of people are watching Hamilton. And from that, a Twitter conversation sprung up and reintroduced some things that came up I think in 2016 when Hamilton was very popular but brought those things to light again as more people are watching it and overall I think the conversation is about whether or not Hamilton is problematic and has issues within it. All first stage is up top. I think that these conversations are really good and need to be had. I think that any show all shows should be critiqued and I think that there are plenty of good reasons and we'll get into these why you might have a problem with Hamilton but I think there was a segment on Twitter specifically film Twitter that just wanted to seem cooler if they said they didn't like Hamilton they weren't actually engaging in thoughtful conversations around these topics they were just 
trying to make people feel badly for enjoying something. And I really, frankly, don't have time for that. What did you kind of see? What did you think? I looked up everything that was happening. And I think Lynn had a great response by saying it's all fair game. Whereas he understands everything and he tried to include as much as he could into a two and a half hour performance that took him six years to write. And I think taking it for what it is, is that as he wanted to cast these people of color into these white roles and and kind of change this biographical narrative into hip hop, which isn't usually shown on stage or in film. So I think in that respect, it was incredible. If we want to go deeper and, you know, discuss how Hamilton may or may not have had slaves, but a lot of the the other characters had slaves, and that wasn't really introduced at all. I think that my thinking when I was reading a lot of the criticism is that I think Hamilton works better during the Obama era. I think that part of its appeal was that it came out when Obama was president. And I think that now it is particularly complicated as it's coming out during this moment in history where we have protests and police brutality and a pandemic and all of these horrible things are happening in our country because of our president. And for most people watching, while it might not be their first entry point to Hamilton as a pop cultural phenomenon, it might be their first experience watching the show. I think we have to assume that. And if it is your first time experiencing this and you're unpacking it and you're thinking about the mixed messages that Hamilton has, so you can look at it on one end, it's amazing that they cast people of color in these white roles and it lifts up actors of color, but it also depicts white heroes. It's another story about these white people in history thinking about who Hamilton is this show makes it seem like he was more involved in abolition than he really was I think it is different to analyze in this era and if you're doing it for the first time it makes complete sense why wouldn't you have a reaction like that I think it is really interesting like you said how this is coming out now in the Trump era whereas the original stage production came out under Obama and I think While the narrative is the same, it's definitely changed its discourse. Whereas it's fun to see some of the lines in the show where Lynn mentions that immigrants get the job done and everybody claps. And I think that was such a big point for Obama and on the other side of the coin, what Trump is trying to undo. But there there are so many other lines too. And it has this underdog narrative to it. And now we're seeing the other side where King George's lines are so Trumpian. He's kind of looking down on these people and we're trying to get out of this rut while Hamilton's going through this war. So are we metaphorically. And it's fun to see how differently it actually felt to listen or to watch it. I agree. And seeing Jonathan Groff too, just seeing those close-ups of him his red face his spit the makeup caked on it reminded me of trump and i couldn't i had so much trouble because you already think of that character right the i will kill your friends and family to remind you of my love that is trump right and then seeing it with that added layer of the stage makeup and the spit and everything else this is the last time i'll ever compare jonathan groff to donald trump but (laughs) he's a great actor (laughs) and it was impossible for me to not think of Trump in that moment no I totally agree but that also just shows Lynn's writing 
and how timeless it is and who knows what comes next a nice little song title in there what comes next <laughs> we've dropped so many and i haven't even realized we've dropped so many <laughs> you did non-stop earlier too well i'm willing to wait for whatever comes next <laughs> So we mentioned this a little briefly before, but in terms of the Oscars and how people feel about if it should be nominated, if it should be allowed in, the Academy announced Monday that it definitely isn't allowed because it is a stage production and that, quote, works that are essentially unfiltered records of performances, unquote, aren't eligible. There are some exceptions in the past that have challenged this rule and have been eligible, but I don't think have been nominated. It seems like there could be some loopholes around it because some of the film version was done outside of the performance and it wasn't just a strict stage performance in June 2016. But who knows if the Academy is still going to consider that just the show and not an actual film made by Tony Kale. So in this Vanity Fair article, they did point out some of the exceptions that have been made to the rule in the past. Those included mm. films like the Spike Lee documentary, the original Kings of Comedy, which was a stand-up special. It included Martin Lawrence's 2002 stand-up film, Kevin Hart's 2013 concert movie. Those films were added to um, as potential nominees. And what the Academy said is that while some of these exceptions were made they included creative contributions from their directors but i would say that this version of hamilton includes creative contributions from the director that feels like such a loose rule because to me on the surface while i don't see this as a film in the same way that i see other films i don't think we can say that the director didn't contribute creatively but also according to a source in this vanity fair article disney is still planning on submitting hamilton to various Hollywood guilds and to the Academy for consideration. I'm really curious how the guilds respond to that and if that will have any effect on other voting bodies like the Hollywood Foreign Press or the Academy. Right, because it is ultimately up to the guilds to determine if it's eligible or if it's nominated. So that is interesting. Or if we get some sort of smaller film award show that does take it on. So there's still potential... I mean, if it was eligible, what Oscar would you give it? If it was eligible, I would 100% be behind Renee Elise Goldsberry being nominated for Best Supporting Actress, I think. I think it would be a supporting, not a lead. I think Philippa Sue would be the lead in that case, but I would definitely go for her. I mean, if we think back to the past, too, you cannot make an argument that Kathy Bates and Richard Jewell <laughs> is better than Renee Lee's Goldsberry in Hamilton. Oh, there's no way. She's not stronger. She she had one scene. She was nominated for like one to two minutes, not even. And I 100% agree. Renee here is hands down my one nomination. I'm wondering too if I am having a hard time with it in the awards conversation only because... It feels like something of the past. It feels like it's already been celebrated with awards. It was nominated for 16 Tonys. It won 11. It won a Pulitzer for drama. Lynn won a MacArthur Genius Grant. It's generated over a billion dollars. Part of me has this thought that says, it's done. It has won its share of awards. We can move on. 
to films that are really coming out this year. But then I also think, I mean, what do we have this year? And we've had things that are completely abysmal compared to Hamilton that have been nominated. Why would this be a problem? I think it's really, it goes back to the fact that I don't think it's a film. (laughs) I mean, maybe it gets into the Emmys and that's how the conversation ends. And I think that's fine. It has had so much praise and I agree with you that it's a thing of four years ago that should live on and continue to get praise. But I'm not sure if, if the Oscars is where it should land. And I don't think that's a knock to it in any way. I just think it's of a different realm where it deserved all the Tonys that it got. So we'll see. I have a feeling that this conversation is far from over and Disney will probably never be satisfied with whatever the Academy decides to do. I'm the worst. I need to stop. I mean, what if Disney just throws a bunch of money into its awards consideration and that like forces these bodies to actually consider it? I'm also excited to see what else Disney has coming down the pike. We have Soul coming soon, but that'll be in the screener room for Academy members, I'm sure. So that seems like another easy win for Disney for animated feature. So I'm wondering if this is a battle they're going to fight or if it's going to be, let's put our money behind these other projects that we'll be releasing too. Award season though is going to be long. (laughs) Deepwater? Oh, I forgot Deepwater is Disney. That would be that'd be an interesting win if Disney won like a live action Oscar. It would be interesting if Disney ended up winning for Deepwater instead of something like <laughs> Hamilton. You have this completely family friendly masterpiece of sorts and you have an erotic thriller featuring the it couple of the moment who needs to wear a mask and stop going to Duncan. Okay, so next time on the pod <laughs> We'll be talking about some more VOD releases. Greyhound has come out through Apple TV Plus with Tom Hanks, who actually co-wrote the screenplay. And then we'll be getting First Cow later this week and Palm Springs on Friday. So we do have quite a few more to talk about. I know we just did one a couple weeks ago, but they're still coming out. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk about these. I'm happy that we have new movies coming out and very curious to see greyhound how tom hanks does in that first cow of course a24 release i already got my tickets to watch it in some virtual screening room so (laughs) very excited for that experience and i've heard great things about palm springs too my sister saw it a while back at an early screening and she said when this comes out you have to watch it right away so i trust her judgment too yeah okay and speaking of new things that have come out have you started i may destroy you i love i may destroy you I started it. I had no idea what it was about, and I am totally hooked. I love her so much. She is so smart. Out of this world. Incredible. We could do a whole a whole podcast about her. Finish that before we have to get to these VOD movies, because that needs to be your priority. <laughs> well, thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Stay safe and wear a mask.